one has to consider not only freedom from what, but freedom for what. Welcome to a special episode of Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Gale Bible Study. I'm Helena Martin. This is our first episode for Holy Week, and I hope you're taking care of yourself as we start this very busy and very holy time. Today we're getting ready for Maundy Thursday, and you can expect another episode each day for the next few days as we prepare for Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. This episode, we have John Collins, Holmes Professor of Old Testament Criticism and Interpretation, and Jennifer Hurt, Gilbert L. Stark Professor of Christian Ethics. They're discussing Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, read for you by student Eric Holland, and John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, read for you by student Fiona Chen. The texts are appointed for Maundy Thursday in years A, B, and C. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They will take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw, or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire, with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around him. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus answered, "You do not know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand." Peter said to him, "You will never wash my feet." Jesus answered, "Unless I wash you, you have no share with me." Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Jesus said to him, "One who has bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, 'Not all of you are clean.' After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, 'Do you know what I have done to you?" You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, and you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things. You are blessed if you do them. So we're looking at the Exodus account of the first Passover together with Jesus washing the disciples' feet in the Gospel of John. So maybe we should begin by talking a little bit about the the Passover in in Exodus. The Passover is a spring festival. I suppose one might say that in Judaism, the Passover is the counterpart of Easter in the Christian tradition. I think the the focuses on the sacrifice of a lamb. In all probability, it originated as an agricultural pastoral festival, celebrating new life in the spring, and of course, Easter has a lot of those connotations as well, but. In the Jewish tradition, in the Book of Exodus, this is historicized. It's given a new explanation as a ritual that、uh, commemorates the deliverance from Egypt, and it's not just the angel passing over and killing the firstborn of the Egyptians and sparing the Israelites. It really stands for the whole event of the liberation. From Egypt. Now, there's a huge debate about what the significance of that liberation is in its biblical context. I think probably for most people, it is the great symbol of social and economic liberation that it's taking people from a state of slavery to freedom. But there is a qualification on that. In the Bible, because in the book of Leviticus, chapter twenty-five, we read God saying to the Israelites, "To me, the Israelites are slaves." In other words, it's not liberation from slavery; it's a change of master. Now, the change of master could still be very significant, because presumably God doesn't require the same kind of service as the Pharaoh. And I don't think one can say that this is not about social and economic liberation. I think that is indeed part of the essential 
meaning of the Exodus. But it is put in a particular religious context where the liberation is liberation to serve God properly. And now, of course, the word that we translate as slaves can also be translated as servants, and that is true both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, can you see any analogy between that and uh, what's going on in the New Testament passage? I suppose there's at least a, a similarity in setting because this is something in the Gospel of John. This is the build-up to the Passover. That's the setting that is also then the setting of the Passion of Jesus and everything that comes after it. Yeah, so so I mean the the reading begins now before the festival of the ba- Passover. So we're being reminded that the context for this washing of the disciples' feet is the Passover. So we're being invited somehow, even within just the Gospel of John, we're being invited to connect it to that institution of the Passover. It's clearly, there is some sort of institution of a new of something new going on here because Jesus does tell his disciples that he's setting an example and they should do as he's done. So what's there's so many interesting things to to think about here I, from your emphasis on liberation as liberation for service to God we can see that John is picking up on that theme by emphasizing Jesus underscoring that he's the master right you know I'm the master I'm your lord and teacher so emphasize underscoring that for his disciples and then redefining their assumptions about what that looks like so if if the exodus is is redefining what liberation looks like here is a redefinition of what it means to be a master and servant and they're being reminded that to be the servant of Someone like Jesus is to take up this stance of humility and and service, that that is the unblemished lamb of Passover, as it were. And it's not even to be a servant of Jesus that entails this. Jesus himself is this way. So instead of aspiring to mastery and domination as one naturally might, This is the new model that's being held up. Now, uh, is this an unambiguously good thing? The thought drifts across my mind of Nietzsche talking about Christianity as a slave religion. What do you think of that? Was there an unhealthy side to this in Christianity? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously, yes, there's a a potential to interpret service in a way that uh, encourages people to remain in unhealthy relationships, encourages people to accept situations of oppression and injustice. And so perhaps in, in that sense, it's also good to be reminded that this is a restatement of the Passover, which is a context of liberation, and that to narrow one's focus simply on washing feet of another isn't to get the full story either of who Jesus was. Indeed, yeah. And I think it's also very important who does the washing initially here. You see, if you're prescribing service for other people, 
That's one thing. If you exemplify it yourself, that's another thing. And especially for somebody who can claim to be Lord and Master to do it. That, I think, is quite different from putting oneself in a situation of just accepting abuse. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's the voluntary solidarity yeah. with with the humble, right? It's not yeah. – it, it's an exercise of agency. It's not someone making do with a situation in which their agency has been yeah. undermined. Now, how applicable is all of this to something like liberation theology nowadays? Well, this, this is liberation theology. theology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if this is how liberation theology would have been perceived by the people who developed it in South America in the 1970s and thereabouts, where I think very, very noble and honorable goal of improving the material life of the poor. Yes, but not just that. I mean, I think Gustavo Gutierrez speaks very unequivocally that the end, the telos of liberation is is not just negative freedom from poverty and oppression. It's freedom for friendship with one another. It's freedom for a, a flourishing life of, of communion that can only take place where justice has been established. Yeah, so that one has to consider not only freedom from what, but freedom for what? Yes. And that for freedom and liberation to be meaningful ideals, they have to be embodied in a new lifestyle, in a lifestyle that's going to undermine injustice to a great degree. Because after all, an awful lot of injustice comes from the desire of people to dominate each other. And here what, what hovers over this text for me is Jesus later in the Gospel of John saying, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Thanks for listening to Chapter, Verse, and Season. Follow us on Twitter at Bible Yale or visit our website, YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Helena Martin. Aidan Stoddart is our editorial and production assistant, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thanks, as always, to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. And thank you, Professors Collins and Hurt, for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.